Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Kaya FM. Kaya FM. Home of the Afropolitan. If you, um, look, I played with some amazing strikers and there were some amazing strikers that were before me. And I'm the first one to say, guys like Benny McCarthy, Sean Bartlett were... I, I can't put myself on it. Maybe with Benny McCarthy, I can't. But with Sean Bartlett, I played at similar club levels with him. Um, he was always somebody I looked up to because he was a little bit older than me. Um, I, of course, I was overlooked, but um, people, it was a time where the, you know, the internet was still in its infancy. You, people didn't really, you couldn't check on players. There wasn't footage all the time so you could see, hey, wow, this guy week in and week out is scoring goals. I was in Basel, um, well, I was in Lucerne. I scored double figures in my first year in Europe. Um, I'd already made my debut for, for Bafana. I'd played four games. And then for four years, I didn't get a game. And then all of a sudden, the World Cup comes. Joe Masono uh, says, well, you know what? I've just been thrown in on deep end as a coach. I want to call everyone in. And to my face, Joma, when I arrived there, said, listen, George, I haven't seen you play. I remember how you used to play. To be honest, I don't think you've got a chance, but you're here, give it a go. And I said to him, that's all I need. I'm here and don't leave the rest to me. After the first week, there was, I think there was about 45 players or 50 players that he called in. After the first week, he cut like 15. He didn't cut me that week because he saw me at training and then he was like, wow, who is this guy? You know, it's a totally different player. He came to me after that first cut. He says, you know what, George? He says, um, look, I haven't seen much because I haven't played you, but I'm going to give you a chance to play. But, um, you know, this is your only chance, basically. If you, It's up to you to decide what you're going to do, but you're going to be cut in the next round. He was very honest, and I, and I always take my hat off to people like that. I, I knew where I stood with him. I don't like people who don't tell you something, and then you don't know where you stand, and next thing you're out. I got a half a game to play. It was here in Durban. We were in a camp. I came on in the second half. I played fantastically well, but my normal game. It wasn't any good game or bad game. It was my normal game that I'd play in Europe. The next cut of 10 players came, so we were down to like the 30, and I wasn't announced again. He came to me and he says, George, um, I've misunderstood what's going on. He says, you're in the 30 now. Only only 23 are going to go, so seven are leaving. He says, keep doing what you're doing. He says, you might have a chance. I said to him, that's all I need. Thank you for telling me. And, and I carried on doing my work. Funny enough, came, I was the 23rd player announced, of course. I made it in the 23. And um, before the World Cup started, I was scoring in every game he put me on. If he put me on for 10 minutes, I scored. If he put me on for half an hour, I scored. If I played, eventually Benny McCarthy was saying, before the World Cup was starting, he says, I'd, I'd, I'd want to start my World Cup with George up front because he's a different type of player and he can take the pressure off me because he's not the type of player who, can, who likes the long ball. So he says, I can work off him. So Jomo put me in the game against Turkey. Turkey finished third in that World Cup that year. They finished third in a World Cup. Okay, We beat them 2-0. Benny McCarthy scored both. The first goal was a flick on from me. It was a long ball flick on. He ran onto it, opened one on one for the goalkeeper. He scored. The second one was a Benny McCarthy special. Only Benny McCarthy can score those. He took on like four players and, and smashed it. So I'd, I thought I was going to start the World Cup. Comes the first game of the World Cup. Again, I'm on the bench. He puts me on. We start playing longer balls. We're putting pressure against, we're losing to Paraguay. What happens? We're playing in their box. Penalty, 2-2, two, two, 
And uh, that was the, the, the penalty that um, Quinton Fortune scored. And we got our first point in the World Cup <laughs> from losing. And then the next game, I thought, well, Slovenia, I'm going to start. Again, the newspapers were all saying, oh, well, I think we should start with George eventually. I didn't start again. He gave me 10 or 15 minutes. Last game against Spain, we're losing 3-2. As soon as the going, you know, we, we realized that we, we might be out. We need a, another goal, 3-3. He puts me back on. This time, for our, I got about 20 minutes. And we had opportunities to actually equalize against Spain. So, again, uh, I thank Jomo for the opportunities, but at least he took the time out. And, um, and he was also brutally honest. He thought, well, I'm not, I don't think you're good enough, George. But when he saw, after four years of playing in Europe, what I could actually do, he says, well, I want him in my side. So, it was a bit of a difficult time for me because obviously I was overlooked, but um, I'm still very thankful. I mean, I played, I ended up only playing 13 games for Bafana, but if you look on the records, I, I was probably on the bench for about another 30 games and I was probably in the stands for another 15 or 20 games. So in my career, I made my debut 97 and our last game was in 2005. In that time period, I probably was involved in about 60 Bafana games, but only played 13. Bafana Bafana was performing under you guys. Now yeah. Bafana Bafana is failing to, to go to World Cup. Bafana Bafana is failing to go to the AFCON. What do you think the players are not doing right this Have time? you ever seen um, in the lineups, have you ever seen our lineup now in modern day South African uh, Bafana Bafana? If you see our lineup compared to a Senegal or Ivory Coast or Nigeria lineup, what do you think the difference is? Senegal, Ivory Coast, most of the players are over six foot. They weigh about 90 kilos. They are big guys, strong guys. There are some short, smaller players, but most of the guys are strong. Most of the guys are really athletic and they are machines. They are really machines. Go back to 96 when we won African Nations, look at the lineup and then think about it. How many players we had over 6'4", how many players that we were, that were strong. And even our smaller players like uh, Mercedes-Benz, Butelezi, he was small, but he would eat, he could eat concrete. He'd go right through concrete if he had to, to tackle. Um, John Moetti, tiny, but power, power. We don't have those players anymore. We have smaller guys, very petite, too easy to push off the ball. Modern day football has become very, it's, it's exhaustive. You, it's, a, it's a battle everywhere. And if you're not physically up to it, you, you're not going to get far. So I think that is our biggest challenge is trying to find players that are, are you know, of that, of that size and stature that can actually compete in modern football. But I think I, I can give you the answer while we're losing them because all our schooling systems are wrong. They're all geared towards rugby. They're geared towards um, other sports. So any young player who's, uh, who comes from maybe not a, uh, he's in an underprivileged background or maybe even a middle class background, he'll go to one of those schools and the first thing they'll do is, oh, you, you, you're quite a big guy, you're quite a strong guy, you must play rugby. And we lose those guys to rugby, to cricket or to wherever. Where before, those guys would, that's their first choice. It's always their first choice. I mean, you go to any school now and you see how many kids want to play soccer most of them will want to play. But if you look at how many rugby teams or cricket teams or hockey teams there are, there's always more than the soccer teams because they push them that way. And I'm saying that's another problem that we've got is we're losing a lot of our young talent, black, white, any race, doesn't matter. We're losing them all to the wrong sports. 
every time we're watching South African football now, mm. we sing a pump. There's no one in the stadium. The, the seats are empty. Unlike before, during your times, those times in 1996, 1997, stadium were always packed. Do you think it's a South African football or is it a worldwide problem? I think, look, it's difficult. Um, it's not a worldwide problem because, funny enough, you'll see in the championship in England and in the premiership, they've got record numbers in the gates. Bundesliga as well, record numbers. So they've, they also went through a slump, I think, probably in the late 80s. They had their slump there, then and then they, it's picked up. I think with, um, yeah, going back, I mean, my debut in 92 for Cloud Barker with Amazulu was a friendly game against, uh, it was a friendly game against Chiefs. So that, it's not an official debut, but, um, yeah, we had 30,000 in the stadium. It was a friendly. It was prior to the season even starting. It was like something something I've never seen before. Now, if you get 30,000 at the stadium for an official top of the league uh, clash, it's it's a lot. So, yeah, I think um, also TV is uh, a product of that. You know, it's easier. You, you're getting fantastic footage where before you wouldn't get such good footage. So now you can rewind, replay, pause. It's... It's a totally different thing. So I think that's where, the, you know, the stadiums have lost out on. But um, it's a pity. I mean, people will sit in a, in a chair at home and say, oh, I can do that or I can play there. But when you go and see a game live, it's totally different. It's totally different. It's, it's a different atmosphere altogether. And that's the atmosphere I, I love. I mean, I love going to the stadium and watching. Money management for the players. We're seeing the guys who are playing now. After they retired, you see, we hear those stories say, this place is broke now, it's nowhere, it doesn't have a house. Well, it's something, I mean, I can, I can tell you, it's something that I've come up with. I mean, it's an idea of mine. We in property and, I mean, I, I buy property all the time and I'm in property. And properties, yes, it goes up and down, but over the years, it's, it's been the only thing that um, has held its value. It's the only thing that gives you a steady income. So I'm saying to the, a lot of the professional guys, I'm saying... If you can't afford, I mean, you've got money. Instead of buying a fancy car or a big house, buy a smaller house, buy a normal car, save for a few years, pull together with a few guys and buy a property. It's like any business. You collect a rental, it's a side, it's a side income. As you go along, you buy more. Eventually, you can even own your own property where you're getting a rental. Comes the end of your career, you've got maybe two or three properties that you've invested in. They're giving you 50 or 60,000 rand a month after after taxes and after paying your rates and levies and you've got a steady income a lot of the players go from earning a few hundred thousand rand a month to zero overnight there's no profession in the world that that happens in other than in sport so the guys are used to spending a lot of money and then all of a sudden they have zero to spend so i'm saying as your career goes on, don't waste your money. Yes, everyone wants to have fun and everyone wants to enjoy their life. I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying be clever about it. Invest in things and then not in some get rich scheme where you're gonna make money, double your money in six months. It's not true, it's never gonna happen. You'll lose your money. Do something that you know can work. And a lot of the guys will try and go into business like a restaurant or, but they've got no idea about restaurants. Property is very easy. It's an easy thing. Of course, you need advice from people, but you can get that advice. And then build up a, a, a few properties. These guys are making, some of these guys are making millions. They end their career, they've still got the millions, but every year they're spending like they used to spend. And in a few years, they've spent a million every year. After five years, five million's gone. After 10 years, 10 million's gone. Then you've got nothing. 
Do you blame maybe agents, maybe not to teach the players? Look, the agents are doing their business. The agents are, I've, I've never used agents, but agents are doing what they are. They've, it's a business. They're pretending to look after you when they're not looking after you. They're actually looking after themselves. They try to get you the best deal, but they don't really get you the best deal. The best deal you can get is yourself. You know what you want to earn. You know what you have to do. You know what your contract should look like. Go do it yourself. Why can't you? Do things, property is the best by far because it's the easiest thing to manage and it's the safest over time. All right, thank you very much, George. Okay. The Home Straight. The Home Straight. Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.